Blimey, that's a miracle. Tis the season to be jolly, Anthony. Yeah, you just go and finish your shopping, though, today. I will. Go and finish it. And I have, do, you know, I re- do you know what I haven't kept in for ages? Bread at home. I haven't had a piece of toast at home with peanut butter on it. Stop it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> OK. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Bye. Anthony's back with you tomorrow morning. Nice to have your company. Oh, I keep getting this little cough at the moment. I don't smoke. I don't know where it's coming from. It's probably some... Round, and my, my chest feels a bit tight. You know, you used to go... <coughs> like that, and you think, oh, dear. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. As we move into the festive season, I think we're in it properly. Next week, we're going to start playing some carols and stuff like that. And that's going to be quite nice, isn't it? So we'll do some carols on the programme. And uh, we've got more of your Christmas cards today. And a lovely meerkat calendar from Alison. Thank you very much indeed. We've got meerkat crazy this year. Meerkat bonkers, we really are. And uh, got sent in a lovely CD as well of the uh, King's College School in Wimbledon, Chamber Choir. So I thought we'd play some of that next week on the programme, which is quite good. Uh, we got some story. There's a good story in the paper today, which is real, real weepy for Christmas. Real weepy story for Christmas. If I could show you it with pictures... I'd show you it with pictures, but it's really, really, really sad. Everybody complaining about the X Factor. This time they're complaining about the raunchy dancing um, and saying it was a little bit tacky for before the watershed. It was a bit tacky for after the watershed, but that's American artists for you, where they sort of seem to think they're all working in strip clubs. It seems to me now that if if you want to get anywhere, you have to wear very little clothing. So this morning I'm doing the programme in a G-string. You know, enjoy, as they say, or not, as the case may be. And, uh, and, th- and then you get yourself in the paper. So, so the least amount of clothes you wear and the raunch you make it, apparently the, the, the sexier it is. But they obviously forget in America. Actually, I'm always surprised it's the Americans. This is the nation who go into meltdown over Janet Jackson exposing a nipple. You know, oh, my God, you know, Vickers were condemning her and all that kind of stuff. Um, I can't... I'm, I'm, every time I open up the paper, there's a story about Tony Blair and his company now is going to make £27 million advising Kuwait. I mean, he really is milking it, isn't he, as an ex... An ex-Prime Minister. I mean, you know, what are you doing with the money, Tone? You've bought five properties. You know, you're a real old champagner, aren't you? You love it. You love it. And and yesterday, people kept phoning me and reminding me, you know, you're going on about Matt Cardle being a painter and decorator. He went to a £15,000 a year private school. Stop being so silly. And I said, yeah, but he's a painter and decorator from Essex. They went, he's a privately educated little boy. Did you see his parents? On the X Factor, hello, and yes, we're very proud, very proud of us. I'm very proud of him, very proud of him. And so everybody's terribly middle class. The rest of them, I mean, as, as somebody said about Chloe Mafia, one word, embarrassing. You know, that's the old, um... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> horrible girl, horrible girl. And then the former girlfriend of uh, Matt accused him of breaking her art by dumping her as soon as he began to find success. And here is uh, Lauren Cutmore, who said she'd supported him by working 70 hours a week as a barmaid, and even sent the programme makers a video. Oh, there's nothing worse than somebody scorned, is there? Oh, dear Lauren. Lauren from Essex. You know, and you've really worked hard, and then he's just like, you know, tossed me aside, and, and I'm really gutted. Well, that's the way it works, love. Grow up, get over yourself. All right? You know, because it happens to everybody. People go, you know, they won that 20 million on the lottery and they never spoke to us ever again. Well, kind of tough, isn't it? But there's nothing worse, Lauren, than bleating in the papers about it because it makes you look a bit, a bit stupid. Really. Just get over it, OK? So you helped him. I'm sure that he rewarded you in other ways, you know. And, of course, you've had the opportunity of probably going to a paper and selling your story. 
You know, if you turn up in the news of the world or the people, somebody will be interested in reading your boring little life story of how you helped Matt Cardle, the painter and decorator from Essex, on his road to stardom. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, everybody's got somebody who helps them. Doesn't matter who it is, whether it's the milkman or the postman or, you know, everybody's got somebody who at some point in their life has done something for them and you did it. But normally people keep their big trap shut afterwards and just go, you know, I'm very happy for him. Not you. Bitterness all the way through. Um, They apologised in the mail today for showing you raunchy pictures uh, from the X Factor with Christine Aguilera. I mean, to be honest with you, the word scrubber springs to mind. You've got to see these pictures. This is just inappropriate. As the Mail says, they apologise for putting these pictures in the paper. They say, but uh, you have to understand the fury that... And they are basically girls wearing very little, just... I mean, it's just cheap, but that's Christine Aguilera for you, isn't it? This is the one who didn't speak to her... uh, her person. She stood there in her little dressing room and had an army of people who came in and pampered her and you still end up looking like this. I'd go back to the makeup mirror, dear, and have another go. It's very nice if you're working in a, in a, you know, at a burlesque club or lap dancing or something like that, but it's totally inappropriate for the television. And uh, as everybody said, you're sleazy. And you look sleazy. Don't know why they booked you, actually. I thought you'd had your day, but there you go. Um, other stories here. This is the... Um, the... Uh, the Muslim who blew himself up. This is the suicide bomber. When he was a college boy, he had the girls on his arms, the booze and all the rest of it. And, uh, and then he discovered extremism. Uh, the wife uh, didn't know anything about what was going on. It's amazing, isn't it? How many things the wives don't know about? You know, your husband's an extremist. All the neighbours go, had no idea. And he goes and blows himself up. Luckily, I say luckily, because the explosives were strapped to him, it did more damage to him than it did to uh, the outside area. It could have been an awful lot worse. But he had a liking for beer and girls, and, uh, and then he became depressed, and then he became extremist, and then he decided this was the way forward. But as I say, dead now. Luckily, you know, not too many people suffered as a result. But it's always, you know, one of these things, every time you read it in the paper, and we did question yesterday whether or not a photograph of a dead suicide bomber actually made anything any different at all. You didn't really see anything. It was just a man face down on the road. Uh, I suppose if he'd been facing the other way, you might have seen something different. But uh, most of you seem to think it didn't really make too much difference. Elizabeth Hurley. You've not got good words to say about Elizabeth Hurley, have you? And it's, and it's funny, really, because I'm, lo- I'm losing... Tr- I heard some great stuff about Elizabeth Hurley the other day, which I can't mention to you. I can mention to you in a minute, but I can't say it to you on it because it's so good... It's like, you know, really, really good. I knew, but a friend of mine said to me, did you know? No, no, um, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know, not that, but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you're all at home going, you're all at home going, oh, come on, Steve, tell us, tell us. I can't, you just can't, can't say things like that. So here she is with, uh, with her husband, Arun, and, uh, and now... She could lose a substantial chunk of her £13 million fortune to her husband if they divorce. Um, Well, I thought he had his own money too, but uh, despite his reputation as a a tycoon, his wealth is believed to be vastly exceeded by hers. So, So now you know. Oh, and they've got a big feature on the London Palladium. Uh, because it comes up to 100 years old. And they say, you know, the the fights and everything else that went on down there. Brucey Forsyth and Tommy Trinder. Uh, when Forsyth was given a, a guest spot on the show, Tommy Trinder reacted menacingly. Instead of leaving the stage after his introduction, Trinder, in Forsyth's words, walked straight at me. 
Forsyth grabbed hold of him, looked him straight in the eye, spun him round, and went centre stage to do his spot. Because, unfortunately, it's showbiz. And everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. And, uh, and, and I bet if those, if those floorboards could talk on the stage there, they'd have some stories. Richard Littlejohn says something today you might or you might not agree with. Uh, I was sort of, I was sort of semi on the fence, but then I kind of fell off on Richard Littlejohn's side, which I don't generally, and it's to do with Jodie McIntyre. You don't know who Jodie McIntyre is. You will when I tell you that he's the wheelchair-bound man who claims that he was beaten and manhandled by police during last week's student fees protest. And Richard Littlejohn says if he's looking for sympathy, he's come to the wrong place. He says, a man in a wheelchair is as entitled to demonstrate as anybody else, but he should have kept a safe distance. McIntyre put himself on offer and his brother pushed him into the front line. Now, this is a man in a wheelchair. The one thing you don't do in a wheelchair... You know, you can demonstrate. Nobody's got any problem with the demonstrating. But when you push somebody into the front line, you're asking for trouble. These are riot police. They've got enough to deal with without somebody in a wheelchair, who's demonstrating. It's just not safe. It's not as if he didn't know there was going to be trouble, because he was at the last student demo in London and persuaded, wait for this one, friends, to hoist him onto the roof of the Millbank Tower. Now, if his brakes had failed and he'd gone over the edge, who would he have blamed then? Jodie McIntyre, says Richard Littlejohn, is a bit like Andy from Little Britain. Where do you want to go today, Jodie? Riot. Are you sure? Wouldn't you rather go to hear Bob Crow speak at the Methodist Central Hall? You like Bob Crow? Yeah, I know. So we go there, eh? Riot. Ken Livingston will be there too. He's your favourite. Riot. All right, then. Five minutes later at the riot. Don't like it. Well, that's exactly how it's summed up by Richard Littlejohn. And as I say, it's dangerous. You know, you wouldn't take somebody in a hospital bed and wheel them down and push them to the front line unless... You were intent on causing a lot of mischief. Talking of mischief, right, where's all the food for Christmas? Apparently, north of the border in Scotland, all the supermarkets have cancelled all deliveries. The snow has come down. Christmas, you're not getting it, Okay, Go out to the shops, walk like everybody else. But we can't get there. Well, how do you think we're going to get to you? So they've cancelled it. They've cancelled all the deliveries up in Scotland because the weather is so appalling... And they're going, we just can't take any orders because we can't guarantee that the food's going to get there. You see, me, uh, yesterday, I was, I was sitting, I'd done bits and pieces and uh, a button fell off my coat, so I didn't do that. So I've decided somebody else can sew the blasted thing. I haven't done it yet. I didn't have enough time. I was going to do it. I've got the needle and cotton and everything to do it. And I might sit down today and start sewing. Might do a tapestry cushion cover, I don't know. But I'll, I'll probably do the button at some point. But then I thought, I know. If the snow does come down on Thursday or Wednesday and we get caught, it means, and if it lasts over Christmas, we're not going to get out and get all the shopping done. I tell you what I'll do. I'll go to Costco today and then I've got everything. So I go to Costco yesterday and I pick up the chocolates and more chocolates. So at the moment I've got like loads of chocolates, loads and loads of chocolates, which is very nice. But it then means that if the snow does come down, I'm not going to need to worry about it. So my advice is, just in case... And it's always, it's always good to sort of err on the side of caution. Go and get the shopping today. Go and get the things in that you need over Christmas. Things that maybe you can freeze or stuff that you can, you know, I mean, check the sell-by date. It's no good buying the stuffing or think if it's going to run out, you know, next week. So get that stuff in. Then all you've got to do is, is get out on the last day and get the turkey. Or if you're having a frozen turkey, make sure you take it out of the freezer at least 
24 hours in advance. There's nothing worse than having to run a hot bath and stick the turkey in it to try and defrost it. Because it's happened before. They take days to defrost. Anything like that. So uh, my advice is, do it now. Don't leave it to next week, just in case. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. The suicide bomber who died in Sweden at the weekend was minutes from causing a major disaster, according to officials in the country. It's believed the 28-year-old's bomb went off early as he was heading towards a metro station or shops. He'd been living in Luton and had a wife and three children. As the House of Lords debates plans to raise university tuition fees, police are preparing for further protests. It comes as Scotland Yard says it's considering using water cannon in future demonstrations. And the Golden Globe Award nominations are revealed at lunchtime. They're a good indication of who'll do well at the Oscars. The King's Speech and Colin Firth are the UK's best hope. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Londoner's Diary, available now at lbc.co.uk. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. I've got to get back early today, so you'll have to excuse me at seven. I'm going to rush off for, for the simple reason that uh, the post office queues yesterday were... Um, I've never seen people queuing for the... What are they doing? Is it people sending off parcels for Christmas? And th- I mean, I can't believe anybody would actually queue to send off a, a Christmas card. You just go and buy stamps in the corner shop and you stick it on an envelope and put it in the thing called the post box. And obviously a lot of people are not doing that. But anyway, yesterday there must have been 50 to 100 people queuing in the Twickenham Post Office. And then I heard a rumour that it's closing at Christmas. Because the place where it is, it was uh, it was a, a supermarket-type thing. You know, one of these things that stays open quite late and has a lot of men standing around in case of shoplifting. You know, and they're all standing there and they watch you as you walk in the door. They could be Turkish, Iranian, I've no idea. But they're always standing there and you think... It's really a bit soul-destroying, isn't it, working in some of these shops? Because you're either sitting behind the till, you know, playing on your computer, waiting for that one customer who's going to come in and order a, a Twix bar or something, or feeling that you're standing there watching people as they come in. And they do watch you. So what I tend to do is I pick something up, and then I walk around the corner, you know, just, and then I put it down on another shelf. So when I walk out, I haven't got it. I'm just waiting to be stopped, because I'm working on the assumption it's going to be great for compensation. So, and I'd heard the other day that when they moved the post office, which has now become a bar in Twickenham, a very big bar, although the service is marginally less exciting than it was when it was a post office. And, um, and that, that moved. And so this family, or whoever it is, took it over. So, it's, so the post office is in the shop. But very rarely are all the tills in operation. And then I heard the other day, somebody said they're, they're, they're closing at Christmas, which is only next week, because the landlords put the rent up by 126% or something stupid. So it means that we could be without a post office in Twickenham. Now... Normally, that wouldn't bother me in the slightest, because I don't, I don't use the post office. I know they want you to use the post office, but I don't need it. I don't need to go and get a pension. I don't need to go and get stamps, because I get them from Mr Modi. I can actually post letters by myself. I very rarely post a parcel. If I do, I would do it from here. But in fact, I think I've only ever done two parcels in my life, because you just don't do stuff like that. So if, if it goes, it'll be a shame, and we'll have another empty building sitting in Twickenham which is what we really don't need. And it's also right by the bus stop, so it, it's, it's really, really good. So I don't know what we're going to do. I'll, I shall follow the story with great interest, and if it closes, you'll be the first to know about it. Because it means that we don't have a post office in, in Twickenham. We'll have to go to Richmond Post Office, but that's always got queues as well. Queues a mile... In fact, wait a minute, I'm not even sure we've got a post office in Richmond. There used to be one. No, it became a furniture shop. Perhaps we haven't got a post... Oh, yes, we have. It's in WH Smith's upstairs. But uh, here's a word of advice... There are people out there who will rob you, okay? And there are people, especially in crowded areas, and in particular, this story concerns Camden. And it concerns Sir Alan Bennett. The great Alan Bennett, the playwright who, 
I don't need to tell you all about him, but he's in Camden shopping, and he's in his 70s, 76, and he's obviously blissfully unaware of the scam that is about to take place. He gets approached by two Romanian women who say, you've got ice cream on the back of your coat, and they offer to clean it off for him. So they get tissues, then a, a third person joins them, a big man, and he says, I'll oh, go and get some tissues. Alan is going, oh, f- thanks. He's not realising this is the scam. And so they go and get more tissues, and they, and they go, oh, you've got to bit- take it off. So he takes the coat off. Unfortunately, the reason they targeted him is because he'd just withdrawn 1,500 quid from the bank, and they stole it from him. Now, this is what happens. When you go into the bank now... And I can only offer advice based on personal experience of people I've spoken to. There are people who will just stand there and they're watching for people like you. They're watching for, you know, elderly people or people who go, oh, I want to put this money. I mean, I, I tell you, I would happily have punched these two old birds in the face. I absolutely would have felled them to the ground. There would have been no hesitation whatsoever. But be careful. If somebody comes up to you and goes... And, and the other favourite one, which I've told you about before, is at cash points. Excuse me, have you just dropped that? You remember that one? Because it happened around here. And they tried to do it to Amanda. But they put a piece of paper in front of her face. So she wouldn't look. So if anybody... You see, I do the same. If somebody's behind me at the cash points, you go, excuse me, you just move back a bit, all right? You're invading my space here. Watch them. Because at this time of year... There'll be people out. Do not look away from the screen. If anybody says, oh, excuse me, do not look away from the screen. Say, yeah, I'll do it in a minute. Do it in a minute. Because be careful. Anyway, he says he, he didn't realise. He said that the envelope with the money in had actually gone. See, whereas me, I took some money out of the bank a short while. I took a lot of money out of the bank a short while ago. And, uh, and they gave it to me in an envelope. Well, I didn't put it in a pocket. I tucked it under my arm. Because I'm very good at tucking things that don't ask me. I'm a bit like an ostrich, I suppose. And I tucked it under my arm, and I happened to get the bus home. There's two of us, so it doesn't, didn't make any difference. And, uh, and Graham said, oh, are you sure? It's good? I said, absolutely, I'll get in. And then I sort of, you know, then, then I could sort of, I feel a lot happier when I've actually got in. But it was a lot of money to be carrying. I thought, if anybody had bumped into me. So beware, people bumping into you, people saying, oh, sorry, you, I've just dropped my ice cream on your back. Let me know, t- take off your jacket, let's wipe it off for you. Just say, don't worry. Don't worry, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Smile at them. That really annoys them. That really annoys them. So I'm very sorry for Sir Alan. At least I can uh, rest assured in the fact that 1,500 quid to him is not really a great deal of money, but it's still 1,500 quid. Not the point. It's the fact that some tow rag out there is going to take it. So anywhere where you're in a crowded area, Oxford Street, anybody who gets on a bus with a coat over their arm, watch them. They're nine out of ten times thieves. They're pickpockets. They target tourists. I've never, touch wood, had anything stolen in my life. I'm very good. You know, I'm, I'm very good. I can feel my wallet all the time. I know exactly where it is. I know exactly how much is in it. In my pocket, you know, I've just got a few little bits of change. So uh, that's my advice for you today, because you will be going out, and I would hate to think you took money out of the bank and then you and then you kind of lost it to some tow rag. So the answer is either go, you know, go into the bank and don't take very much out at any one time, or failing that, put everything on a card, you know, either on your switch card or your debit card, whatever it happens to be. Um, in the paper today are the Christian couple who refused 
to, uh, to gaze a room. Uh, this is Mr and Mrs Bull, and they've got supporters. Of course they have. You're going to find homophobes everywhere. And uh, what happened was one of these uh, gay guys phoned up and booked a room at the uh, private hotel near Penzance, and then when they turned up, uh, it was two men... And unfortunately, the bulls decided they, d- they didn't want two puffy mokes blokes spending the night in one of their rooms because she said, it's our house. And I thought, no, it isn't. It's a hotel. You advertise it as a hotel and that's where your homophobia comes in. You've only got to look at them. To re- I can't imagine why they'd be scared of anything like... What do they think they're going to be doing? You know, sort of, you know, crocheting some cushion covers for them and, you know, decorating the room and perhaps going around with the hoover going, it's filthy in here, isn't it? It's absolutely disgusting. No, they just wanted to just stay... In the hotel. £80 a night. Apparently, the hotelier's policy allows only married heterosexual couples to share rooms at their £80 a night seaside home. So they're being sued for discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation. It's like uh, a a friend of mine who works for Sky uh, went to... uh, Was it Australia? Yes, it was Australia. And there were two of them. And I'll tell you now, it was Tim Marshall. And Tim Marshall did this programme on me, me, uh, together with a black reporter. And they scoured the local papers... And they wanted bed and breakfast. Now, luckily, the black guy sounded terribly, terribly posh like that. And, uh, and Tim just sounded like Tim Marshall. And so they went off round Australia, finding out whether or not you could get a room. And it turns out you could, if you were white. If you were black, he got turned away. But, of course, on the phone they don't say, excuse me, what, what colour are you? Because that would be discrimination. So it wasn't until he actually turned up at the door and they had the hidden camera and the, the door was opened by these sort of Harridan-type women and men sometimes. And she go, and he said, oh, I, I phoned earlier uh, about the room. And she went, oh, it's gone, I'm afraid. And so what they did, they then went back with, with Tim and, uh, and Tim said, I phoned a short while ago about the room. Yes, she said, come in. I mean, it was blatant discrimination which operated throughout, you know, the whole of, of Australia. I really didn't think in this day and age, two blokes sharing... Is it because they looked puffy? Because, to be quite honest, if it was two blokes, you know, if it was, say, like, a couple of people from our news desk, would they then go, you know, and you phone it again, all right, darling? Yeah, is it positive? Uh, you got a room for us two for tonight? They go, yeah, that's OK. As- exactly, nobody talks like that on the news desk. But then assuming, you see, that if you can't at all like that, you can't be, can you? Because you like, you sound like a bloke. As opposed to maybe not sounding like a bloke. But anyway, so I wonder whether or not that would make any difference to the bulls, whether or not, you know, two blokes in working-class clobber turned up and tried to book two rooms. Because like, there must be loads of workmen throughout the length and breadth of the land who book into hotels. And nobody's ever said... It's like two girls, you know, we're, we're on a hen night, but they might still be lesbian. You know, does it apply to lesbians as well? Or is it just puffy blokes that they don't want in there? So, I don't know what they think's going to be going on. It's two people who wanted to spend the night in a hotel for 80 quid. Seems a lot of money, doesn't it, really? Get a travel lodge for a lot less than that. Book into a travel lodge. They don't have discrimination. It was like, do you remember at one time, in the, uh, they used to have the, what were those holidays? Sandals resorts. And it was for, they didn't want same-sex couples. In fact, they used to put it on the bottom of the advert. They didn't want same-sex couples. They, they only wanted, you know, a couple, you know, a man and a woman. Didn't want anything else. I mean, I was always suspecting that it could be quite funny if you actually got about six different gay couples and they all pretended that they were with men and women. Then when they got there, they are all split up. Now, that would be entertaining. That would be very... <laughs> Ross is eating peanut butter on toast right now. I could eat peanut butter on toast right now, but I haven't had toast at home for ages. Ages and ages. OK, let's open up today's uh, selection of... Co- oh, blimey, that's a lovely one, isn't it? Oh, and it's from 
Noreen and Brian. And uh, Amanda says thank you for hers. So thank you very much. Look at that. I mean, you can't have much more glitter on a card if you try it. <laughs> this is, is the, the, the overdose on, on glitter on that one. Thank you very much indeed. Actually, I've done very well for cards this year. Very well for cards. Uh, this one is from uh, Louisa and uh, Alf. Uh, wishing you uh, good health. And, uh, yes, I guess I, that's the one thing I wish for everybody, actually, this year. Good health. Very good health. And it reminds me of the, of the true Christmas story, which I'll bring you a little bit later on, uh, about health and a very courageous young man who you've seen on the television. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Helen and Diane, thank you very much indeed for yours. It's amazing. Oh, another co- Oh, look at Robin. A Robin and Glitter. And this is from Jill. It says, always listen and podcast your show. Says, uh, we had a wonderful time at the theatre and uh, worth the trek in the snow as we had to come from Greenhithe in Kent. So well done you. Well done you. It was. It was lovely, wasn't it? Another one here. I love opening cards. It's so exciting. I keep hoping there's going to be some money falling out. It doesn't matter, you know. There isn't. Uh, this is from Maureen and Family. Listening to your programme. Thank you very much indeed. Some of them have just got Steve Allen LBC and for some reason the post office managed to find me. Well, how does that happen? Oh, this is one from... Oh, that's a pretty tree. And it's from Jane in Hawley. It says, does it look like your tree? My tree's bigger. My tree's bigger in Trafalgar Square. And after that little yob tried to burn it down, it's, uh, it's there burning brightly, I have to tell you. And Alison in Ryslip says, hope you carry on broadcasting for many years to come. <laughs> yes, I'm kind of hoping that myself, strangely enough. Strangely enough. But, uh, no, we've had, we've had a very good year. And thank you for my meerkat calendar. I love meerkats, as you know. Big, big fan. Uh, right, we'll talk to Darren a little bit later on on the programme. We thought we'd talk to him about half past uh, six this morning, if you feel like it. Uh, they're saying in the paper today, well, the Daily Star, so in other words, take it with a very large pinch of salt, that uh, the reason Jordan's hair is now blonde is because she's pregnant. Apparently that's the indication that the wizened old hag... Yeah, apparently. She, she always said she'd dye her hair blonde if she was pregnant. Perhaps she can't use her mouth. You know, like normal people. Hello, I'm pregnant. She's not pregnant, OK? She can't be. It's not physically possible. Uh, because I believe that she's not spending as much time with Alex Reed as she should be. He apparently spending a lot of time with his mum and dad. Little mumsy boy, aren't you, Alex? Hope they put up with the cross-dressing. And Paul, Paul Gascoigne is back in rehab last night. You know, he's not got a... This is another drink-driving case. This is not the one the other day. This is another one because he's now four times over the limit with no insurance whilst on a fishing trip. He had the one the other time where he was four times over the limit, and that was a different... This is another one from October. Can we just throw him in prison? Can we just do everybody a big favour? Because it's now getting to the stage where, you know, if he kills somebody out on the road, do we then go, well, they should have locked him up, and the magistrates are going, well, we thought we didn't want to do that, did we? Bloody well, throw him in. Throw away the key. Nobody cares. Nobody's interested. Nobody's interested. They've got a Strictly Come Dancing special. And uh, you've got uh, Fern Cotton in there. And for some inexplicable reason, you've got um, Vince Cable dancing on it. I'm sorry, can we have politicians who we pay for and who stay doing the jobs they're supposed to? Deep embarrassment, I'm afraid, turning up on a Strictly Come Dancing pro. Serving politicians. It's all right for the likes, Vince, matey, for sort of, you know, and the joke Widdicombe and Lembit the prune opic. But not for somebody who's serious, OK? Can you just do your job properly, and then we'll all be happy? We don't turn up on celebrity programmes, all right? We are not a celebrity. We are a politician. We've also got Tony Beak. Something about him you just want to hit. I don't know what it is about Tony Beak. You look at him, he's got that 
prissy little, stuck-up little... I can't begin to tell you what it is about him, but I just can't stand him. Cannot stand him. They've got June Brown dancing, though. Now, she's going to be hilarious. She's going to be absolutely hilarious. Uh, she'll be good, actually. Oh, I don't know, Pauline. She'll have a fag as she's going around. John Barrowman's doing it. But, uh, strangely enough, uh, June is dancing with Vincent Simone, who I always thought was gay, because he's camp as Christmas. But apparently it turns out that 90% of male dancers are campers Christmas in the street because you have to sort of shove your bottom out and sort of, you know, and then sort of dance round and sort of, you know, do this. And, and, and they turn out to be straight, which is very confusing, I think, for a lot of people. But they do have themselves dipped, which is good. Uh, you've got the X Factor winner. Uh, there's only one thing on my mind. This is for Matt Cardle. This is for Matt Middleclass Cardle, painter and decorator. Yeah, OK, right, yeah, like Jocasta Innes. Uh, and then they've got Simon Cowell, and uh, he's got some cheek, because he's apparently, uh, he's lavished gifts on all the panel, and it's Botox vouchers. Louis Walsh is said to be delighted with his three free treatments. Louis, you're way too old, love, for this kind of thing. It's a little bit like trying to raise the Titanic. You know, it's no good having Botox at your age and your teeth whitened. It just looks silly. Don't do it. Your mummy won't recognise you. But here she is, Chloe Mafia, otherwise known as uh, that beyond ridiculous person. Oh, poor old Chloe. Poor old Tart. What can you do about it? Absolutely nothing. Ronan Keating says he wants to be James Bond. <laughs> yeah, right, mate. Yeah, right. And, and the reason for this will be what? You can't act. You know, luckily the wife's forgiven him. So that's good news after that seven-month affair that he had. So that was good news. So everybody's very happy there. Uh, but he says, he said, I, I wouldn't mind doing acting and then uh, becoming James Bond. I don't know. I don't really think that's going to work. I mean, we do like a good laugh at Christmas, but we're not sure that's a laugh too far. A laugh too far. Uh, crimes committed on Facebook have soared 7,400% in the past three years, generally used by perverts to groom people. So glad I'm not on Facebook. In fact, I, I know nothing about Facebook. I've, I've read some people's Facebooks, and uh, they're absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, oh, and they've got a new Blue Peter presenter. They they appear to have uh, got rid of um, Joel, who hadn't actually been on there, you know, very long, compared to most Blue Peter presenters. But the one that they've moved in is Barney Harwood. Barney is 31... And it's been on CBBC for what seems like about 500 years. So, perhaps the... He's, he's all right, isn't he? He... he, he oh, he does a programme on the radio. Right? He, he, he works with a, a, a puppet called Nev. And he's got very hairy arms, so we'll have to have those waxed. Because, and he's also slightly overweight. So that's good news for all the overweight kids who watch Blue Peter. Because it means you haven't got a sort of thin one. I'm intrigued as to Joel and as to why they've got rid of him. Because, frankly, I'd have got rid of the girl ages ago because she's irritating. She's very... No, I mean, I haven't, I have, we haven't watched Blue Peter properly, but uh, Barney uh, will be taking over in January and he's going to be working alongside Andy and Helen. Helen Skelton's the irritant. She's got one of those annoying little northern voices. She's a bit Colleen Rooney, I'm afraid. But they say ex-boy band star Harwood. He says, I can't wait to start working with Andy and Helen. He seems to have lived at Children's BBC. His girlfriend... Because that's an unusual thing in children's BBC. He's uh, he's got um, a girlfriend who's a former blue uh, a former children's presenter as well. So uh, so that's it. I can't remember her name now. She's got lots of corkscrew hair. No, not Ange no Angelica's going out with Michael, and they they've managed to get that really fantastic program. Michael Underwood. 
Michael, you just, you just know nothing about television, Amanda, do you? You don't know... Ch- but, yeah, but excuse me, Michael Underwood's with Anton Deck and Cat Dealey and all that lot. Don't you watch any television at all? God, blight. Oh, the telly's broken. That's all we know. Oh, that old gag. Oh, the telly's broken. Haven't watched anything for years. Last thing I saw was The Sound of Music, and that was 45 years ago, and it was a repeat. <laughs> There's a woman in the papers there. There's always got to be one coming up to Christmas. She goes to pick up... And she's a health visitor. What that's got to do with it, I've got no idea. She picks up a packet of crisps and six newborn baby mice drop out and start wiggling about over the floor in Tesco. (laughs) So the producer would have a cardiac on that one. Anyway, it turns out she took snaps of them on on a mobile. It was in Birmingham. And, uh, and the staff just put a cardboard box over them. And I'm assuming what's happened is that the store uh, has got a mouse problem and the mice were nesting in the crisps, although, to be honest with you, I mean, really, it depends which flavour. You know, salt and vinegar or tomato, whatever it happens to be. And so she, you know, which is their favourite flu? You know, I think it could be a survey, couldn't it? Yeah, I think they like cheese and onion crisps. Some of them roast chicken. And so I think the mouse had its babies, and they were in there going, I couldn't eat another crisp, I really couldn't. And this woman inadvertently picks up the packet, and they all drop out on the floor. She screams. And Tesco went, um... He said, well, we can't really do a lot about it because we're near a canal and a railway line. That's Tesco's answer. Love it. Love it to pieces. But they were... She says, I'm not sure if they were inside the multi-pack, but there were lots of holes in the bag. They'd obviously been at them. (laughs) I love it. Of course, she's going to want money for trauma now. She's going to want money for trauma. She'll be looking around for a lawyer to make sure she gets a little bit more than about 50 quid, which they're offering. Apparently, horrified Liz, who's in her 40s, took snaps, and, sa- and Tesco said uh, experts from Rentakill has visited, and um, she said, I wanted to make sure it, it got done. Tesco apologised and said it was clearly an upsetting discovery for our customer, which we're very sorry. No, it, I tell you what it is, Tesco. It's not so much upsetting for the customer, it's the fact that mice might have crawled over your fruit and vegetables and anything like that, and the one thing that mice and rats do is they urinate over everything, over cans, you know, and, and so it's not just enough to put a cardboard box over. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know what you're supposed to do either. You've got these big stores, the cardboard box over. The cardboard box starts moving by itself, you know, as all the my Come on, everybody together, come on, back to the crisps, come on. Still got 300 boxes to get through. <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, good news, actually, for Laura Hurst. Why does Laura Hurst make the papers today? The good news is she's the first woman to join the Brighouse and Rasterick Brass Band. And, and you might think that that's a bit unusual, but there was a very, very good film years ago called Brassed Off. And it was about... It's a great little film. It's a good, good little film. And I love a brass band. I love a brass because I used to play in a brass band. Can't play very well, but I, I, I managed to get through this one. And so she's finally got through into the Brighouse and Rastrick Band, and it's really lovely. They did a programme on the telly a while ago, and they were looking at a brass band... I can't remember what it was. And they were then, they wanted new uniforms designed and they went out to, um, to do it. It's a bit like Last Choir Standing. This was Last Brass Band Standing. She plays a cornet by the look of it. On second thoughts, actually, could be a flugelhorn. But she said it's a pleasure working in an all-male environment. It looks like it's a pleasure for her working in an all-male environment. Although it is a brass band and they do do things slightly differently. Not one, well, not slightly differently, but it's just they, they've never had a woman there. And so now they have boy band hunk Max George... He's in The Wanted, has uh, talked of his love for Coronation Street actress Michelle Keegan, saying, she's awesome. Yeah, I can't stand her. 
I can't stand her or the character, I'm afraid, but uh, she's awesome. Because that's what they have to do now. All these boy bands, they sort of, they go out and they, they get the hots for people. It's a bit like JLS, isn't it? I'm so hoping that uh, one particular member of JLS actually finds a girlfriend soon. Because he's the most lively in the group, he's certainly the most talented, and yet still doesn't have a girlfriend. And we're all so hoping that he gets a girlfriend very quickly. But what they've actually put in the papers today is the figures. So you can see, guess how many phone calls were made to the X Factor? How many phone calls um, o- over the, the series? How many people... 25 million. No, don't be silly. 15 million. Oh, OK. 15 million. But that's a, l- million. that's a lot of money. That's a lot. It's getting colder in here, isn't it? I've noticed, no, actually. So. It's very cold. So they've got all the things in it, and it shows you where, where the public voted and who they voted for. And it was, you know, people getting lower votes. Bellamy, Katie Wasel, uh Trace... Uh, Katie again, Mary Byrne, uh, who is that? Mary Byrne again. It's very interesting when you look at the, at the figures all the way through, because it was really Matt Cardle for week, from week one all the way through to week ten. Uh, Cher Lloyd, you know, whereas, uh, Matt was getting 15.4%, she was getting ten. When he was getting tw- 24%, she was getting seven and what did she do the other day that warranted a good slap on the back of her silly little legs? She didn't turn up for the X Factor final. She sat in the canteen. She snubbed Matt Cardle. You stupid little non-entity, really. It's so pathetic. Somebody needs to give you a little bit of a hard lesson in show business. And your career, my darling, is finished. 14 to 6. These are the headlines. The Stockholm suicide bomber missed causing a massive catastrophe by a matter of minutes. The Swedish foreign minister has described how the bomber was heading towards a subway station and a department store when the bomb went off on Saturday. The Independent Police Complaints Commissioner are investigating after a man was shot by a Met firearms officer during an operation in Eltham yesterday morning. CCTV of the incident yesterday will be examined. And if you've done your Christmas shopping online, there's a chance it may not arrive on time. The Royal Mail is spending an extra £20 million, including Sunday deliveries, to try and clear the backlog. Have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louise. Available now at lbc.co.uk. Here they come. Great TV lies and delusions. Great TV lies at the continuity announcer. Comedy next on BBC Two with Stephen K. Amos. I don't think so. About as unfunny as nothing. Dermot O'Leary. It's your votes and your votes alone that can get your acts through to the final. Lies, lies and more lies. Although poor old Dermot O'Dreary, I mean, his days look numbered, I'm afraid, on the X Factor. He's so keen to go to America and we're so keen for him to go to America as well. Uh, Other stories, which come courtesy of uh, Ali Ross today. He's talking about The Apprentice and Stuart being a load of old pony, which he is, of course. Uh, Nick Tilsley, who he says can't act at all, God forbid. And uh, and then talking about um, The Jungle, Gillian McKeith. That was my agent on the phone. You know what they said? Your call's being held in a queuing system. And then, of course, Gillian McKeith also turned up on television. And, um, and uh, what did she come up with? She was talking on Loose Women and, uh, and saying here, I can't stand people who lie, you know, uh, to, to sort of further a career. This is former doctor Gillian McKeith, you remember. The biggest lie of all was the fact that she wasn't a doctor. And in fact, a rather, a rather painful little nothing, I'm afraid, at the moment. But uh, strangely enough... The straight-talking loose women on Gillian McKeith when she was in the jungle. She's doing my head in. She's sabotaged the show. I'm bored of her. 
And then, uh, and then the straight talking loose woman when Gillian McKeith turned up, saying, "You know, it has to be said credit where it's due. You kept us watching every night." <laughs> they should have played back the first bit; would have made it marginally more entertaining. And uh, live now to the student right in Parliament Square on Sky News, Anna Jones. Mark, give us an idea of who there. Who's there? Mark White goes. Lots of students. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> come back to you a little bit later on. Still to come. Very nice story. A story that just makes you feel glad. It's a nice story. We don't get many nice stories over Christmas. It's generally people, as you, you discovered the other day, who claimed that they'd been burgled and their tree had been taken. They had no presents. Turned out to be liars. Uh, the story we brought you this morning of uh, somebody falling, unfortunately, for that old con trick in Camden, of all places. Oh, we've spilled ice cream on the back of your jacket. Why don't you take it off and we'll rob you? Which is exactly what they did to uh, Alan Bennett. Uh, Paul Gascoigne. Not a big waste of space, I'm afraid, on his third delay for the drink driving because they've lost a witness. Just gets ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, I just don't know why we can't do it. And a whole page in the sun on the uh, the, the mice who dropped out of a packet of crisps. I mean, you have to ask yourself. I'm, don't don't look. Don't look. It's a picture. She took a picture on her phone. Mice falling out of crisps. I'm all right with mice. It is right. Oh, I wouldn't want them in my. Look. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, they're pink. They're baby mice. Oh, They've just only just been born. <laughs> it's horrible. They say every Stuart Little helps. <laughs> they are little Stuart Littles. If you see the picture of them, if you don't like mice, you won't like the picture. Bag of McCoys, was it? I know. Well, I think they've just put a bag of crisps oh, there. Because to be honest with you, I mean, McCoys are quite thick crisps. They're quite. They're not the easiest to get through. Got to be a pretty tough little mouse for that one. Stuart, it's horrible, isn't it? Really. <laughs> I love it, though, when people go to supermarkets and they, they find things and they go, oh, look, I found this beetle or I found this and everything. Oh, dear me. It is terrible. It is terrible. Uh, other stories. Oh, there's a builder today. He managed to get, uh, from his insurer, 3.4 million because he claims that he was virtually wheelchair-bound following a motorbike crash. Anyway, they're about to take it away from him. He's been seen climbing about on the roof, lifting weights. You do get these people who just don't know the difference between telling the truth and telling a porky pie. And uh, they tell them now, and luckily, you, the British public, are reacting really well on these things. Because, it, the, because we, we've had before the, uh, the hotline where you can phone up and say, listen, I know somebody's on benefits, but they're actually working as a minicab driver. And you can phone up anonymously and just give the details and they will follow it up. And it's fantastic because it means that all the people who are cheating the system, gradually speaking, you get them. Because I think for ordinary, hard-working people, they go, listen, I've worked all my life, and you're just pretending, you know, you're just on benefits. No, no, take them off benefits. I don't think anybody should get benefits. I really don't. I don't think anybody should. I think, you know, if you're stupid enough to get yourself pregnant and then not remember who the father is, big surprise, then I think you pay for yourself. Or your parents pay for it. Why should we have to pay for it? You know, because you were too stupid. I'm not, I'm not buying into that one at all. I see it all the time, especially around Twickenham. It's like Pram City around our way. You've never seen so many blooming prams. Um, oh, good news is, Vernon Kay's Saturday night game show, the whole 19 yards, has been dropped after one series. Should have been dropped after the first episode. It was the biggest pile of rubbish, I'm afraid. Vernon Kay is just the world's worst. You know, he looks great, but that's what he is. He's a model. He was a former model. Well, he, I mean, he, looks, he looks good for somebody from Bolton. If you've seen the rest of them from Bolton, he actually looks quite good. But they, they, they've dropped it because he, he said he wanted to concentrate on his new career in America. 
Don't hold your breath on that one, Vernon, dear. Yes, I was going to say, there'll be a lot of concentration on that one, because they're not going to take you, Vernon. I can, I'll, I'll tell you that now. Don't waste your time. Why is it that people think, I want to, like, you know, we've got Dermot O'Dreary, I want to go to America. You know, haven't really done very much in this country, want to go to America. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I mean, poor old Vic Beckham, you saw her when they stuck her on the X Factor panel. She's got nothing to contribute. She can't say anything. I saw a guy the other day, and what, what was he on? He was on, I think, Matthew Wright's programme. I quite like Matthew Wright. I liked him on the radio. Matthew Wright was quite, quite good on the radio, when he was on, on with LBC on the Saturday morning. But he had a bloke on yesterday who quite clearly couldn't read the papers and get round... I mean, we were waiting forever. I don't know who he was, because I never know who half the people are. I know that he likes Gail Porter, you know, with hair, without hair, with hair, without hair, with hair, without hair. So it goes on. It's like with nail and eye, isn't it, really, I suppose. Uh, but still to come, that great story, which is, which is heartwarming, because when I saw it on the television, I thought... And I thought I had health problems. Because <laughs> this particular person has got health problems, the like of which I've never seen before. And um, and then you sort of see people, you know, in hospital, and they'd be in hospital over Christmas. Because that, that, that was the big LBC disaster one year. Do you remember? We had, years ago, when we were in... Where were we, actually? I can't remember. Anyway, um, we decided that for Christmas... Oh, oh, I knew there was something else I've got to tell you. Oh, tell you. Remind me, Christmas, Advent calendar. And, 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 and they said, look, in, in the local hospital, um, wouldn't it be nice if you played Father Christmas with your producer and you went along and gave presents to children who are in hospital over Christmas? So we contacted uh, M&B Games and said, listen, we're going to be doing this. And we'd like, can you give us some My Little Ponies and stuff like that to give away in the hospital for the kids who are there at Christmas? Yes, said the PR. That's absolutely fine. Of course we'll do that. So we went and we hired an outfit, uh, the Father Christmas outfit. My producer, Michelle, uh, got dressed up as a fairy. And uh, <laughs> and we, I, I phoned up the hospital in the morning to say, oh, hi, it's Steve Allen from LBC. Have M&B Games delivered some toys for the children? And she said, yes. And there was a silence. And I went, oh, right. I said thinking, or perhaps they'd only done about two or three. I said, are there enough? She said, yes. I said, oh, we're, we're, we're on our way down there. We go down there. They've had to empty a ward. They turned up with a pantechnican. There was something like 50 My Little Ponies, 150 playmats. These things were up to the ceiling. There were so many toys in there, I thought we'd opened a branch of Toys R Us. There were that many. And I said, I said how, how many children are in hospital for the Christmas period? She said, two. Because what the hospitals do at Christmas, unless a child is seriously ill, they, they send them home to be with their family at Christmas. So it's only those who are really, really, really ill that they keep in. And those ones, you can't go anywhere near because they're on, they've got tubes and, and this and that and all the rest of it. So all we could do was wave through the window. And, of course, they can't move anyway, so it was, it was a bit of a pointless exercise, but we had all these toys, so we're holding them up to the window, going, you've got one of these. We had, like, I think 200 Tommy trucks. I mean, it was just... Um, but in the end, the hospital phoned up all the other hospitals, and they came round and took loads away so that they could give them away for, you know, different things that the hospital were doing. But it was, it was quite something. And also, I suddenly realised I was allergic to beards, because I had the beard on... And it, and it itched, and I couldn't... I had to keep taking it down. It was, oh, itch something chronic. Somebody else had this beard before me. But it reminds me that there's a very funny advent calendar on lbc.co.uk. And the clip today, behind today's window, because today is the 14th, is very funny. I'd forgotten 
that I'd made it. And it was um, an advert for the Cadbury's Strollathon, which LBC used to do. And it's me. It's a, it's a little bit scary, but it's I haven't heard it before. In fact, I hadn't heard it for for the best part of about 20-odd years, I don't think. I, I can't even remember doing it. I can't remember when I did it. I can remember the Strollathon because uh, we did a lockdown in Battersea Park. LBC used to do the Easter parade, and we did all sorts of things, and I would go down. For some reason, I always got chosen. Go on, Steve, you go down there. You can go and do the Easter parade. So I would be sitting on the top of either the LBC radio van or a, a tower that they built for me doing the commentary for the radio and for the, and for the parade. But on this particular time, they, they, they did an advert... And it's me and and a little child. You know, it's a little bit like... I don't know if you've ever heard the record Abraham, Martin and John. And it's got a man going... Uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And you've got a little kid going, What's segregation? And the man goes, Segregation is so-and-so. And they explain it all. And it's exactly the same for this advert that we've done for the Cadbury Strollathon. You can only hear it. You'll never hear it again. Once it's disappeared from here, it goes back into the archives to remain there forever and a day, I should imagine. So it's lbc.co.uk. Click on the Steve Allen Advent Calendar and check out today. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's LBC 97.3. Tuesday morning. Do try and get all your shopping done. Do try and get... There's queues everywhere at the moment. I don't want to hear any excuses from any retailers that they're not doing the business at the moment. Because everywhere seems to be... Very... I mean, if, if, if they're not, what are all these people doing out on the streets? Very, very happy 65th birthday to my husband, David Locke, from Sandra in Biggin Hill. Absolutely love your show. Thank you. Of course, I'm a bit sad about Biggin Hill. Very sad about Biggin Hill. The fact that they're not going to be doing the Biggin Hill Air Show. I mean, I, I just loved it, and I can't believe they're not going to do it. I don't know, why do they take away things we like? Like, years ago, we had the Royal Tournament, and I remember going backstage, now they've got something similar to the Royal Tournament, but they, they axed it because of course, you know, for goodness sake, it did so well. John in Orpington, he, say, he says, thank you for telling everybody to go and do their Christmas shopping today. I'm now not going to be able to move now, am I? No. But you, and I think best to get it done, just in case... The snow comes in. Always, you know, try and anticipate these things. It's like sending cards and sending presents. And normally I would be advising people, you know, if you're sending cards to people in Australia and things like that, then you've, you've got to get them uh, done. Um, uh, and Terry says, no wonder people are out panic buying. It's your fault. Panic buying. <laughs> Quick, there's going to be a shortage of sprouts. Russian gets sprouts today. Stamps, there's going to be no stamps very soon, no air. Anyway, but there is a heartwarming story which I'll bring you in a moment. Lynn says, it's very sad we have to take all these precautions when we go out shopping. If I ever have to take money from a cash point, my husband acts as my security guard. It is terrible, isn't it, that there are people out there who will, who will ruin people's day and Christmas. So I'm, I'm very mindful of it. In fact, more mindful now than I've ever been before. I almost sometimes sort of will, will people to try, you know, thinking you definitely won't get away with it with me. Yasmin Alibi-Brown is looking at the papers today for Nick Ferrari. They're going to be talking about Ed Miliband's comeback. Is there any hope for the Labour leader? Uh, Lisa Nandy, Labour MP for Wigan, and a Miliband supporter will be saying, yes, he's doing a great job. However, Michael Fallon, Conservative MP for Seven Oaks, says there's no hope for him at all. Uh, they're looking at the Mets policing for future protests, and also relaxed rules for transsexual inmates. This is this softly, softly approach that Ken Clark appears to be having with prisoners. I mean, I said the other day, if ever I got sent to prison, I think I'd become a druid. 
Because apparently you, you get rights now. I thought the whole idea is, I'm sorry, you're a criminal. That's why you're in prison. I couldn't care less whether you're Roman Catholic, <laughs> Muslim. I don't really care. You're a criminal. Everybody should be treated exactly the same. I think you forego all your rights when you commit an act against another person. Uh, hotel couple, they're going to be talking about that uh, with the Deputy Director of Public Affairs for the Christian Institute. So you can imagine where they stand on this. They're going to say, well, of course, they were quite right to deny... Uh, this gay couple, uh, the opportunity of spending the night there. However, the head of the British Humanist Association was saying, no, 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 this couple were breaking the law. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. I must as well tell you, A, because of the advent calendar, B, because of podcasting, but C, because on Sunday we had an Apple iPad and it went to Andrew from Dartford in Kent, well, they really suffered with the snow, I'm afraid. I do like Kent. I do like it. I've, I've, I've continued to look through country life and look at the houses in Kent. Some of them are just absolutely wonderful. Uh, but Andrew had a bid of 78 pence. 78 pence made at 9.53 and 38 seconds. And he got the Apple iPad on Sunday. Well done, Andrew. 78p for the Apple iPad. So for all those people who tell me, you know, how much do they go for? I go, they go cheap. They go cheap. And that was Sunday's iPad, 78 pence. So if we do one this week, you will remember. Uh, Adrian tells me about the advent calendar. A trailer. It's 1993. How many years ago is that? 1993. 17 years ago. 17 years ago. It, it sounds as though it was made yesterday. And it might have been made. Now, who would have made that trailer? 1973. Could it have been Paul Easton? I can't remember. It would certainly be somebody who worked in the commercial production department. I wonder who it would have been. 93. And it was uh, of me talking to a small child for the Cadbury's Strollathon, which we did, and we, we raised a lot of money. So uh, check that one out on the advent calendar. It's on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Now, somebody can help me with this one, because you remember a while ago, Julie Peasgood and my good self had a bottle of sprout liquor. I think it was sprout vodka, Brussels sprout vodka. Well, we tried it on the... She was under the table, poor woman. It was so potent, this stuff, but it was absolutely delicious. And I cannot remember, for the life of me, because I'm afraid I have senior moments, more and more every day, and, um, and, and I can't remember where it came from. I know it was sent in, but I'd love to find out if anybody can help me out with the Brussels sprout. Um, it sounds revolting, but I promise you, it tasted delicious. Exactly the same as we said the other day. We're going to be having sherry for Christmas. We're going to be drinking sherry. I might go out today and get a bottle of sherry, actually. And, in fact, Walter wants to know, he said, where, where did it come from? Well, if, if, I can, uh, if I can find out, I shall tell you. Now, I like to bring you nice stories occasionally. Unfortunately, the, the newspapers don't do nice stories because it's not in everybody's best interest. They only bring you miserable stories. But here is a, here is a, a Christmas story from one very... Very courageous young man. I mean, it, it breaks your heart, this story. I'll bring it to you in a minute, because it's, it's, it's the kind of thing... You, he, he had a television programme made about him, and I remember them thinking, whatever illnesses I've got or you've got, remember how many medicines you take or injections, whatever it happens to be, you think on a hold you on ahead. So I'll tell you the story of this young man in a moment. Uh, Steve, if the robbery of the man in Camden was captured on C. CCTV, the police no doubt will make an appeal on Crime Watch. No, they won't. Every day. They're not going to bother with Romanian gangs because it's... I mean, you could probably have about 20 gangs operating in Camden. 
They don't do stuff like that on crime. That doesn't warrant crime. Crime watch would be if somebody died as a result. Gee, that's what they said in the paper today. They said, he appears to have the one expression. Well, I've not noticed that. I shall have to watch in future. Which instrument did you play in the brass band? Uh, I played the flugelhorn, which is a combination between a trumpet and a cornet. It wasn't particularly good, but at least I was in the band. And the Walker's mince tarts with the booze in at the Edinburgh Wool Mill in Kingston. Where the dickens is the Edinburgh Wool Mill? Headlines this morning, Sam Pittis. More protests are expected in London later as the House of Lords debates the rise in university tuition fees, the final hurdle for the government's plans. Sweden's foreign minister says a man from Luton who went to Stockholm to carry out a suicide bombing was minutes away from causing a major catastrophe. And the Independent Police Complaints Committee... D11 Londoner's Diary, available now at lbc.co.uk. So here is this story, and I only bring it to you because it's, it's a wake-up call for anybody who's on medication, but not half as much medication as this young man. And the scene will be the same as it has been for decades. King's College choristers in their white and red robes performing classic Christmas carols for a television audience of thousands. But there is one voice that was almost missing this year, and that's of Alex Stobbs. Now, Alex, you remember, is the terminally ill musical prodigy who has defied doctor's orders by leaving hospital to sing for one last time. So I'm going to cry, actually, because it's so sad, because he had a, a BAFTA-nominated Channel 4 documentary, which is called A Boy Called Alex. He suffers from a, a virulent form of cystic fibrosis. His lungs, his bones and his digestive system are gradually being destroyed at the age of 20. His lung capacity has fallen to a critical 38% and he's losing his hearing. And he's defied doctors to come out of hospital so he can sing for the final time with the choir. He's kept alive by a cocktail of 50 tablets by day and oxygen by night. It's his final year of studying music at Cambridge. He's been in hospital for the, the last three weeks. If you saw the documentary, I mean, he just lived on injections. I mean, you know, his, his little body is holding out. He's come out of hospital to sing for the last time. He's hoping, he says, it's, it's, it's a bit of a struggle to sing, he said, because my lungs aren't what they were. So he said, I'll be very sad to leave. It's such a wonderful institution. He hopes to be well enough to perform in the popular Nine Lessons and the Carol Service on Christmas Eve. He, you remember, he left at 13. He was, he's from Kent. He originally joined King's College Choir at the age of nine, left at 13, won a musical scholarship to Eton, and then secured a place at Cambridge. And all the time, he's seriously ill. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, it's, it's just a miracle that he's still here. And uh, he published a diary called A Passion for Living. And although his lungs are deteriorating, he wants to avoid a transplant because of the risks involved for him. So he keeps, he keeps going. He conducts a musical group called Stobbs Scratch, and he hopes to become a full-time conductor. If ever there was a story that made you feel kind of good and sad at the same time, it's this young man, for whom Christmas means far more than, uh, than anybody else. Really, very, very touching story, very touching. It makes all this rubbish you watch with the X Factor almost pale into insignificance, doesn't it? You know, and you suddenly realise that the, uh, the X Factor... They, they brought on... The only good thing about the X Factor this week was at the end of the show where, you know, unfortunately, Sher decided not to turn up and wish uh, Matt Cardle the very best. So he'll be, I'm sure, doing the same with her career, which I fear is going nowhere at all. They brought on all the failures from the series, and you suddenly realised 
that there's so many sad, depressing people out there who believe that they have some sort of talent and have no talent whatsoever. There were the two, let's just call them slightly overweight girls, one of whom who smacked the other one in the face on the television. And I thought, and we put them back on the television. No, 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 no. These people should be incarcerated. They should be incarcerated for being overweight and put in there. And then you've got this stupid little Chloe Mafia person. This person with no discernible talent whatsoever and turns up as if she's going on a date with another client. You know, that kind of stuff on the television. It's, it's very entertaining, I'm sure, but it's the serious dumbing down of television that you've come to expect. In the same way that Coronation Street has dumbed down and, you know... And when you think, here we are at Christmas time and the highlight of the television is a, is a tram crash in a soap which kills people. And this is supposed to be the cheery thing. You know, there's never anything good, is there? You know, you never sort of read, you know, like the Summer Bay Cafe is burnt down or something. You know, that would be a cheery thing for Christmas. <laughs> but lots of stories about Matt in the paper today. And uh, lots of people... Strange enough, Gordon Smart, uh, the bizarre editor for The Sun, has had to really uh, toady up to Simon Cowell because that way you get the interviews. You know, if he was one of the people who'd criticised X Factor all the way through, Simon would say, I don't think so. I don't think so. They'd have to cobble something together. So he says, I thought this year was the best one so far. Obviously, must be tone deaf then, because there have been far better singers in the past. I mean, it's been revealed in the paper today that, unfortunately, One, one Direction are tone deaf. They can't sing for Toffee. Never could do. And yet they happily sort of do their miming into their, into their hairbrushes on the TV programme. Because I think, and I've said it before, under the misguided uh, thoughts that, that they really are sounding like this, that this sound that's coming out of the speakers really is them... Whereas, in fact, what I'd love to do is cut the backing track and then, and then you would hear what they sound like. Some very cruel person would do that one time. They won't work ever again, but it would be, uh, it would be good. Um, thieves who stole 60 pies may actually uh, face a very stiff penalty because the pies contained Viagra. And it's in the paper today, the meat and potato pasties have been made for the, uh, <laughs> for the World Pie Eating Championship. Now, you may ask... Why, why Viagra was in there, and apparently it's to keep the, the potatoes firm. I had no idea it worked for potatoes. I had no idea at all. A tray was pinched from Vince Bowen's van as he loaded up for the contest at Harry's Bar in Wigan. So they get balmier up north, don't they? So, in other words, apparently... This is it's in the paper today. He says Viagra is an effective preservative of agricultural products. We use doses a fraction of the strength used for traditional purposes. But if the thieves eat more than ten, it's going to be pretty obvious who they are. <laughs> you can only imagine, can't you, as they walk down the street, or not, as the case may be. Well, I had no... I just thought a meat pie was a meat pie. I had no idea you could keep your potatoes firm by adding... <laughs> Adding Viagra. It's madness, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at Penny says, if we send prisoners out first thing in the morning to save on heating and electric bills, we can bring them back to prison at night, hungry, healthy, saving medical bills, and ready for a good long sleep after clearing all the rubbish from the streets. You don't seriously believe, Penny, that if you send prisoners out first thing in the morning, they're going to actually come back to the prison, do you? Good heavens above, they'll be running down the road as fast as their little legs will take them. Uh, Julietta. Oh, that's right, it was my Julietta who sent it in. And she said, I'm glad you enjoyed the sprout liquor and are still talking about it. I brought it last year, found it at a Christmas market at St Catherine's Square in Brussels, which had a big wheel, an ice rink and mulled wine. I haven't been back this year, so I've been a bit quiet of late, but still listening out here in Radioland. I've got pictures of Julietta going back, oh, it must be a good 30 years, I would think, she's been listening to, uh, to LBC. So it's, it's from Brussels. 
We'll have to find out if there's a Brussels shop in London. But ice rinks are everywhere. But watch the mulled wine. I only say that because Michael Trabulsi came in this morning and he had two glasses of mulled wine yesterday. And he woke up this morning as if he'd, as if he'd drunk a brewery. So be very careful. Mulled wine can be, can be quite potent. But if you watch the Royal Variety performance, when that comes out, Michael McIntyre does a very good uh, series of gags on mulled wine. In fact, he does lots of, of gags over Christmas, but especially mulled wine, which is this British preoccupation. It started, I think, in Austria or Germany, where they have glue vine. And you can buy bags, tea bags over there, which have got all the herbs and spices. And you sort of pour wine into a saucepan and then you add these herbs and spices and some slices of orange and then you heat it, because we, we just think, don't we? Because we all think, oh, that's really continental. And so we add slices of orange and some cloves and some lemon and everything. We go, oh, it's, we're really continental now. It's like, I've never added brandy myself. To be honest, brandy added to red wine. I think you probably end up with the biggest headache ever. But a lot of things from the continent are creeping over here now. Like sitting outside of a restaurant. Up until now, the British have always sat inside. But we, we obviously go to, um, you know, different countries. And we come up, do you know, we sit outside. You can go and sit out. So here you see people sitting out. The wind is going around you. You've, you've got to start putting ashtrays on the napkins because it all disappears. And yet we happily sit out there stoically eating our breakfast. You know, oh, it's good. We're, we're continentals. We're eating outside. I still like to get these sprout liquid. Perhaps Selfridges or somewhere like that would uh, have that, that kind of thing. Uh, we found the uh, mince pies, the Walker's mince pies at Notcut's Garden Centre, says Anne in Walton on Tech. Well, I know Notcut's very well. Now, you know I might have to go up there now, don't you? Because I do, I do like the... Do you know, I've been good this year. I've only bought two sets of Christmas lights. Only bought two sets of Christmas lights. And I generally buy quite a few because I like Christmas lights. You know, even just lighting them up in the box, I'm quite happy with things like that. I've, I think I really need to buy a Christmas shop and open a Christmas shop. I just, I really need to do it. I can't help it. There's obviously some, some weakness inside me. Uh, Sarah says, uh, I so agree with you about prisoners losing their rights when they commit a crime. Exactly. I don't care what religion you are. I, I couldn't care less. They go, oh, we, we have to have prayer. They, I'm sorry, you're a criminal. You've broken the law. That's what you're in prison for. Your religion has got nothing to do with it at all. Because if you followed your own religion, you wouldn't be thieving from people and stealing cars and doing scams and everything else. Uh the Edinburgh Woolen Mill is a clothes shop down the road from Lakeland Plastics, where Woolies used to be. Oh, I know where it is. Just off the marketplace. <gasps> we have a German market. There's only two people who speak German on it, and they're doing the sausages. And they do a lovely uh, German sausage, which has got cheese in it. I have to be honest, in the past, I have eaten two. I have eaten two. I, mean, I haven't bought two. I've sort of eaten one, then wandered around, and then come back and bought another one. And they're £3.50. But I promise you, when it's freezing cold outside, you can't beat a sausage in a roll. I'm a bit easily led in that way. Although now I've discovered the delights of meat pies, I think I might be going for meat and potato pies in future, just for the side effects. So, Anne in Walton, thank you for that one. Um, Lynn reckons for the Nick Tilsley School of Acting, a few sprouts would help. Probably, probably. And Sam says the Edinburgh wool shop is in the marketplace near Millet's. I'm determined to get these mince pies, because they're all complaining upstairs. Normally, Steve, you bring in the mince pies for Christmas. So I bought some Walker's mince pies yesterday, but they don't have the whiskey in. And I thought maybe I could add, you've got to have the whiskey in, because they, I mean, you've only got to have one of those, and you could fall off your chair. So today we might have to, at some point, go back and uh, go and try and find these things. More pictures in the paper today of the mice who fell out of the crisp packet in the Tesco's. Luckily not down south. Luckily not down south. And uh, the Gurkha 
who won the Victoria Cross for repelling a wave of Japanese attacks, uh, despite being wounded by grenaders, died aged 93. That's uh, Lakaman Gurang, who was just four feet 11. Hey, I see there are people your size. Four feet 11. But, uh, he died at the age of, uh, of 93. Right, what we do, we take, uh, we take a short break. Uh, other side of the news. We shall have a chat to Darren about where to go. And, uh, and we'll see what other stories... Do you know that if you, if you make a cup of tea a day, you cost your boss £400 a year? The reason is that you spend 24 minutes a day preparing hot drinks. In the same way, I suppose, people who smoke, you know, if you actually add it up each time they go out for a cigarette, you know, five minutes here, six minutes there, if you add it up over the course of the day, should people who, not, who don't smoke be allowed to go outside and just wander about for an hour? Because they go, well, listen, well, somebody smokes here and they've, they've got... Can I go out? Can I go outside? Yeah. I think you should better do that. Put your hand up, you know, in, in classroom and go, I'm just going to go outside. Just going to nip outside. Uh, the bad news is the only way is Essex have had a, a photo shoot in uh, New Magazine where they're doing the nativity scene. You've had your five minutes. Go away. It's not happening anymore. Not happening anymore. And um, other stories. Very quickly, uh, Hollyoaks star Stephanie Warrington has hinted her character, Cindy, will be heading back. Sorry, I've never even heard of you. I do beg your pardon. I'm sure I should have done, but I'm not really a, a great Holly Oaks fan. This is LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast and the time now. Over at the uh, Battersea Theatre at the moment, which is in South London, I think, they've got uh, Wind in the Willows, which is the uh, the first London show... That uh, Laura Jane Zelinska has produced with the NSDF's Ensemble. Ensemble was put together by selecting what the judges thought were the most talented up-and-coming individuals at the National Student Drama Festival this year. So they're over at the Battersea Theatre. It's beautiful, brilliant and got rave reviews by the critics. What they need is a lot of people to go and support them. So uh, they're on there and they've got all sorts of shows running up until, I think, the 18th of December. So if you're looking for a, a good show... It's Wind in the Willows. Love Wind in the Willows. It's all good stuff. 25 minutes to 7 is the time. Tuesday morning on LBC 97.3 with Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. Not a bit chilly this morning. Uh, Darren's with us now with a few ideas of where to go. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's like, well, we, we aren't going to be doing um, uh, ice skating today because we did ice skating last week. And I tell you, ever since we mentioned ice skating, every rink in London is full yes. up with people skating. Well, you must. Book in advance before you go to any of those places, especially yes. from now onwards until the end of the school holidays. Otherwise, you're not going to stand much chance getting in. But uh, they're all over London, right. everywhere, in fact. So, but but uh, do do, do check a... before you can't just turn yeah. up and go and skate. Indeed. Okay. Now, Christmas at Kew down the road from you, Steve. Yeah. This year, the seasonal interactions include a carousel on the Kew Palace lawn. Do you go around on a horse in there? I've been round queue before, thank you. What, on a, on a carousel? Been on, been on the carousel, done it all. OK, they've got face painting as well, horse and carriage, and many vintage we car rides Angeles. on the... This is a queue, much nicer. <laughs> Closer right. to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're doing lates as well, late openings on December the 16th, 17th and 18th. And uh, once Christmas is over as well, they'd like your Christmas tree if it's a real one, not if it's a plastic one. A real like one. Your Christmas. I've got one in Trafalgar Square, actually. Well, I wonder what happens to that. It gets pulled. I wonder where they... I know, but I wonder where they spread all the stuff. I think they, they just it... spread it on, sort of, you know, the parks. OK. 
goes out there. It's enough um, of it, let's face it. I know, it could be a huge one. But if you're uh, living in West London and you've got a Christmas tree, they would love to have it at the end of the season Good. for that. Now, this year, the Royal Ballet, down at the Royal Albert Hall, Peter and the Wolf, and the Tales of Beatrix Potter. This is another one I'm afraid you have to book in advance for, because uh, it sells out every year for yes. these two things. Love the Beatrix uh, Potter. I've still got the Royal Ballet pictures of that from some years ago, where they had the cast dressed up as mice, giant yes. mice with all the... Oh, it looked fantastic. It is. I saw it about ten years ago, and yes. it's still very, very popular. Yes. Um, it starts on the 14th of December and goes through till the 10th of January, but as I say, you must book in advance for that as well. The International Horse Show is back. Down oh. at Olympia. Oh, goodness. Love things yeah. like that. You know, yeah. You're not riding this year? I don't think so, no. In fact, I, I did... Mm. I, I might dig up some pictures from the Steve Allen archives of me riding. Because well, most of my formative today. years I spent on horseback. You've done it all. You've played rugby. I've done everything. Yeah, it's, I mean, you it's, may have made all this, The only thing I've not done is hang gliding. Oh, no, thank you. No. <laughs> well, it can be arranged, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm not, uh, not a hang gliding person. But, no, I mean, I used to horse ride quite a lot. We used to go out, you know, when we were in uh, uh, Yorkshire and... Loads of other women in Huntington as well. We used to go horse riding all the time. I was often to be seen out cantering over the moors, you know. You sure it's a real horse? Absolutely. What do you think? He's dobbing one one of these, uh, a hobby horse or something. (laughs) I don't think so. No, a proper horse. (laughs) I've got pictures. I've got photos. Just had a vision now of you on a hobby horse yes. running around twickling. Yes, well, well, that I, I wouldn't deny, but uh, in the early days, we used to go, whoa, <laughs> like that. We were quite happy doing it. I was a strange child. It served me quite well in later years. Well, let's start at Olympia today and run through until the 20th. Now, I know you're going to want to go and see this. Down at the uh, Victoria and Albert Museum, they've got um, more than 50 garments from the Imperial Chinese Road Collection from the... Uh, Forbidden City. It's called Imperial Chinese Robes, and uh, it's now on and through until the new year. As Where is this? Garments of my, at the VNA. Wow. They've got them sent over, and there's 20 accessories, oh. 15 fabrics. Um, again, especially when the school holidays start, if you book in advance, you won't have to wait. You have to pay for this day. exhibition. Yes, you would, yes. Right. Now, that I would well, pay and go and see. I went to see the Supremes, yeah. and this one is robes from the Chinese court. Where have they come over from? From China, uh, from the Forbidden City. From the Forbidden yeah. City, fantastic. Yeah. I would love to. If uh, I wanted to do one more thing, I think I would like to go to the Forbidden City. I've got all the DVDs on it, showing you round there, and uh, yeah. how the uh, the Emperor of China was really a warlord, and he took over, went yeah. in there, and massacred all the women. They had all these concubines. Oh, was, I mean, the the bit that you see now of the Forbidden City is only a small part of what went yep. on there. It was a huge yeah. place, huge place. If you're into uh, Gauguin's work, um, down at Tate, your favourite museum, Steve, Tate Modern, they've got more than 100 works on display there by him from uh, public and private collections all over the world. So uh, that's only on until the 16th of January. And I saw this the other day as well. I'm going to go to Kensington Gardens to see Anish Kapoor's installation. Stunning, huge mirrors everywhere. All right. And they change the perspective. Do they turn? No, no, they don't need to because it's the most peculiar illusions they create. You can see these huge discs and you see yourself a tiny little figure in the middle of the park. It's free. You just have a little wander around and you've got to find them, wrap up all more obviously. And when you've done that, you can go off to Winter Wonderland as well. It's called Anish Kapoor, Turning the World Upside Down. And uh, it is an absolutely awesome 
Lovely. Thank you for that. We'll see you on uh, Sunday on the programme. I can't wait. I know, I thought so. Do wrap up warm, just as the snow might be coming in. I was speaking to Chris Lowry, our weatherman, and he said it's definitely going to turn colder by the end of the week. I think it's the, the Arctic front that moves in from Norway, I think, or somewhere. Whatever it is, it's going to be chilly, so wrap up. I've got my coat. I still haven't sewn my button on. I should have done it yesterday. I didn't get round to it. I came to the producer and went, oh, I thought you weren't going to do that. And I thought, I'm going to do it today. I'm determined. I've got to go to the post office, collect a parcel. Now I've got to go and find these Walker's mince pies with the Glenfiddich. Because that's what they expect here. You have to, you have to, you know, staff come in and they expect Walker's mince pies with the Glenfiddich. They're about the only ones I found with the booze in. Proper amount of booze. I've actually got 12-year-old Glenfiddich. And it's strange enough, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but I quite like it when it's... Uh, it's sort of infused into a mince pie. Listening to that uh, message, Steve, says Margaret, on your advent calendar, uh, I took part in the Strollathon that year as part of the Gillingham Dorset Hot Rocks Carnival Club. And what we used to have is, every year for the uh, parade, the Easter parade in Battersea Park, you'd have these carnival clubs, which came from all over the country. There'd be two or three hundred members and they would dress up in fancy dresses or there'd be a theme, that they, they, the same that they do... I forget what they do. They do the Upheliar, where people dress up and they burn a Viking ship and they carry it through the town. They've got all the flaming torches. And they did that, and Margaret took part. And what these carnival clubs do is they raise a lot of money for charity. And so every dress... It becomes like a... We don't do it in London. I know we have the New Year's Day parade, but all the best marching bands come from America. Because all the American kids in their school, it's... You know, some of them are four, six hundred strong. Marching bands... And they're fantastic. I mean, they really are. For this News Day parade, I'm sure that Bob Bone will have, you know, pulled out all the stops and got all the people over. And I did it for years, about nine years. I compared the News Day parade. And you watch these marching bands and they come over and they look immaculate. Everybody looks immaculate. Our little lodge, you know, we never look that excited because we're going, I don't want to be here on hangover. And the American bands, yeah, all up for it. And exactly the same as the carnival clubs. They raise a lot of money for charity. And uh, Margaret says, love your programme. Best way to start the day. There you go. Well, actually, to be honest with you, at this time of the morning, it's either me or a cup of tea. And now you know that if you're having a cup of tea at work, 25 minutes in the course of the day is you going to make cups of tea. But you have to walk, don't you? We have to walk in our office to go and get the cup of tea at the end. And then we've got a coffee machine at the end of the corridor. So I either sort of grab a cup of coffee on the way down if it's working or grab a cup of tea at the beginning. I can't function without it. I can't function. I mean, I generally have, in the course of the day, one, two, three cups of coffee now and probably maximum three cups of tea. That might be a lot. I'm not sure whether or not that's too much tea or coffee. Somebody says, oh, you shouldn't drink that. Drink water. I do drink water as well, but it's not bad. I've heard some people who drink 15 cups of coffee a day. And these are not just the coffee you would make at home. Mellow birds, you know, make you smile. That woman who does a little happy face. You could hit her, couldn't you? Just a happy face in the top of the coffee powder. And, um... But no, if, if a lot of people drinking these at uh, the Starbucks and the Costa Coffee and Nero and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you drink too much of it. I do two a day of those. But I always have dry, which means not very much milk, and an extra shot. I know, I'm so fussy. I'll, I go in there. I'll have a tall, dry, skinny, extra shot cappuccino. No chocolate. You know? And I never thought I'd be saying these things. I would, uh, a, I didn't think I could actually remember what I ordered. <laughs> I can. Anne says, went to our daughter Natasha's graduation yesterday at the Royal Festival Hall. Lovely day, and filled with very nice young people. I did think of you. We went to a restaurant uh, opposite the Festival Hall called Ping Pong, and the food was like they ate in the programme, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Still the husband and daughter in, enjoyed it. How lovely. Sounds like... I, we, I had uh, Chinese the other day, and I'm not... Uh, 
I'm, I, I do like Chinese, but it does not bloat you up. You do feel... Oh, I'm sorry, just for her. Just y'all. Happy now. She just calls it food, you see. She doesn't call it... Isn't it funny you say, I'm going for a Chinese? She just says, I'm going to eat something now. But I did have... I was very good. I had boiled rice. Because somebody said to me, boiled rice is better for you than having special fried rice or egg fried rice. The, the word... I think the clue is in fried. So it's... it's a, but it does taste nice, doesn't it? And i tell you what's even nicer. And I did try the other day. Uncle Ben's wok rice. And I did empty it into a pan, and I did it with some steak, and it was particular. Yesterday, I had Berth Bourguignon. I didn't make it. It came already prepared. I just reheat and ping. And that was it. And I had Berth Bourguignon with sprouts, which was good news, wasn't it? So there you go. Keeping the side up for Christmas. So, so far, there is no world shortage of sprouts. So if you're a sprout fanatic, like what I am, you're going to get your sprouts this year. However, if you're in Scotland, north of the border... And you put your order in with any of the big supermarkets, there's a very good chance you won't get your food because of the snow. So my advice for us down here, just in case we get it, is to stock up with the stuff already, including, as we mentioned yesterday, sprouts in tins. News headlines this morning. Our selection of programme podcasts. Go to lbc.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 12 minutes to 7 is the time. Uh, Kath is an avid podcaster. If you want to learn more about podcasting, go to the uh, LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And from as little as £2 a month, you can download everything. And there is tons of stuff. I mean, there's tons, apart from all the interviews, all the pro... There's every presenter's programmes, the special podcasts, there's all sorts of things on there. But, uh, the the, the, the catalogue and the uh, the archives get bigger almost on a daily basis. Uh, You're so wrong about American marching bands, says Kay. The Royal British Legion Youth Band from Brentwood went to California two years ago, invited, as the only British band to be invited to march in their Tournament of Roses parade in Pasadena. There are many links to them, blah, blah, blah. They were only banned there to receive a standing ovation. Yes, because they do that out of politeness. They do that out of politeness because it's a visiting band. Uh, When they came into the Six Mile Rose Bowl Parade, they looked a million dollars. They were the only ones marching in time. No, absolute rubbish, Kay. I'm not buying that at all. That's why, I'm sorry, I did the New Year's Day Parade for nine years. The American marching bands were fantastic. Two, three hundred strong from all over the place. And they wipe the socks off anything that we've ever produced in this country. Because they do it all the time. In fact, it's a privilege in their schools. Everybody wants to be in the band or they want to be in the cheerleaders. The American marching bands wipe us off the face of the earth. They are absolutely fantastic. As you'll see in the New Year's Day parade, you must go along and watch because they're not only immaculately turned out, when you consider how far they've actually travelled, they, f- they pay for themselves to come to London. They save up all year. They do garage sales and they do different things to raise the money. They come over here and they get shown round and they do a couple of concerts. And that- But the best ones we have had were a Japanese marching band. Girls. All girls who'd never been out of Japan came over here and we hosted them at the Central Hall Westminster and they just blew our socks off because not only did they sing, they marched, they played instruments, they battened twirled, they did flags, they did... It was a complete package. At the end, we just stood there with our mouths on the floor and everybody stood up because they were just incredible and they didn't speak a word of English. Nobody spoke a word of English in the group. They'd never been outside of Japan... Big, big treat for them, and just amazing. Just amazing. Uh, right, quickly, we've only got uh, ten minutes of the uh, programme remaining. Uh, it doesn't look good, they've said, for the country freezing. I don't want to mention too much about it, because a lot of people are trying to get away for Christmas, but they say by Thursday, the whole of the country will freeze solid with snow and rain turning to ice pretty quickly. Now, that's, 
She'd just fallen off her chair next door. Now, to be honest with you, actually, ice is OK. You can still take off in ice. Ice is OK. Ice is fine because they, they, they go out there and they, they do the runways. And if necessary, I'll get out there with a box of matches and make sure that Gatwick Airport, I'll take the ice off the runway for you. I'll get out with some hot water and so the flights will, will take off. OK, that's OK. Um, but so, so today, sorry, tomorrow, in the north, cloudy, misty, drizzle. In the south, cloudy, some light rain. Thursday, cloudy, sleet, snow, icy. This is for the south. Friday, Bright snow showers. So I like that idea. Bright, I think it's bright, and then snow showers, because both, most snow showers are bright, aren't they? And then uh, on Saturday, cloudy, risk of snow. Temperatures, now it's the temperature that's the important bit for you. If you're an elderly person, you know, if you don't need to go out, make sure you wrap up, extra pair of drawers on, things like that, jumper, that kind of stuff, and don't worry about paying bills or anything like that. Ain't nobody going to cut you off if you're a pensioner, let me tell you. Then ain't nobody going to do that to you, child. OK, temperatures. Tomorrow, uh, minus three. Thursday, minus three. Friday, minus five. Saturday, minus four. Those are the temperatures. Wrap up warm. You do see people wearing the most amazing clothing out on the streets. And, I mean, perhaps some people don't feel the cold. Perhaps on the same way, uh, by the same token, I've seen people in the middle of summer wearing jumpers. And I've sat there perspiring, or glowing gently, as I prefer to call it. Uh, Abu Hanza has lost a bid to be let out of prison after claiming he's going blind. Good, fine, OK. Good, keep him in there. Uh, lots of stories about Alan Bennett, who thought he was being treated kindly by two strangers. Unfortunately, they were members of a Romanian pickpocket gang, and they, uh, they stole his £1,500. The advice is, if anybody says to you at a cash point, Oh, sorry, is this... Totally ignore them till you finish your transaction. If anybody comes up to you and goes, so you've got something on your back, can we, wipe, can we wipe it off? Don't. Say, don't, just leave it, all right? Just leave. Touch me and I'll floor you, OK? That always, always stops them. Will they use water cannon? Hopefully not in this weather. On the streets running with water, it's bad enough as it is. If it's going to go down to minus five, we've got water cannon, we're all going to be all over the place. But they've said that they're used against armed gangs on the streets of Northern Ireland. However, the force of these things can throw you through a wall. I mean, the, these, it's, it's really, they're very powerful. I don't, I don't think water cannon are the, are the idea. Although, to be honest, I'd love to operate one. I'd absolutely love to. I mean, you, but you can knock people off their feet with a water cannon. They're that dangerous. I, d- I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think it's water cannon. I just think you just ban the, the, these people from marching. I think you have to do that. I, c- I can't think of anything else. Uh, here she goes. She's managed to make the papers again. Liz Hurley. Likes her men to be sophisticated, while Shane Warne has a penchant for barmaids. Now, both of their marriages are in tatters after an unlikely love affair. To be honest with you, I thought it was a little bit strange, but they get on together. And, you know, you can't explain why some people are attracted to some people. I mean, sometimes in your life, if somebody says to you, you know, what's your, what's your perfect man or woman, and, and you then describe them to somebody, it bears no relation to the person you're with at the time. It's because everybody's got a fantasy. And sometimes you meet people, and some people, I mean, I'm lucky to fit into this category, have got sex appeal. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's, I'm the kind of person who just oozes sex appeal. I can't help it. You know, I'm just one of... Some people don't have it. I've got it in bucket loads. You know, I've only got to walk down the street, and I find people looking at me. People sh- I'm a little bit like the Pied Piper. By the time I get to the bus stop, I've sort of accumulated quite a number of people standing there with their shopping bags. It happens everywhere I go. I go to the supermarket. I'm queuing up for a till. Before I know where I am, there's at least half a dozen people behind me. It happens in the post office. So it's nothing new. I pull into a garage to get... Before I know where I am, there's four cars behind my car. It's a strange magnetism. 
I seem to have it. I don't know where it came from. It's just one of those things that I'm learning to live with. And you, you'll probably find it yourself. There's, there's very few of us, very few of us who actually have this, this sexuality, which sort of just oozes from every pore. And especially over the festive season, I find it worse. I could walk up and down the high street. I can turn round. There'll be at least 50 people behind me, at least on the high street, all following me, slowly but surely. Uh, Pat says, when I worked as a secretary, lots of the cups of tea I made were for various bosses. And Maxine in Elstree is going to hospital today for major spinal surgery. Steve Allen talks theatre with the Society of London... Good Lord. That was a rough, the computer having one of its moments, I think, which was very exciting. I quite like that idea, actually. And, and also, do you notice, I paused, and at the right moment I paused. You see, even the adverts follow me, because, because I've got sex appeal. And that's what happens every morning. Uh, a senior Tory has sparked outrage for suggesting that jobless northerners should take fruit-picking work in the South, normally undertaken by immigrants. Have you ever heard anything so daft in your entire life, ladies and gentlemen? No, you haven't, so you won't hear it again on this programme. Listen, that's just about it for today. Do wrap up warm. Do make sure that you've got everything done for Christmas, because if the snow does come in, and we're all going to... I don't want people moaning, saying, oh, if only we'd known about it, you know, we could have done things differently. I'm telling you, it might happen. Chris Lowry says there's a very good likelihood, so be careful. Yasmin Alibi-Brown will be looking through the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari. They're talking about Ed Miliband, and Nick will be hearing from the Met Police on their change in style for policing future protests. OK, don't forget Wind in the Willows over at the Battersea Theatre. It's a lovely theatre. If you've never been, support it. It's your local theatre. You should support things like that. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between five and seven. I think I might wear gloves in the studio tomorrow. I don't know. Eat lots of oranges. Very good for you. Oranges, anything like that. Vitamin C, lots of hot drinks. And if you're going on a, if you're going on a long journey, take your, your spade, you know, a blanket... All that kind of stuff in the car, not like me on the bus sitting there, but looking like the only prune in the world. He's got a little spade and a pair of green Wellingtons with him. And if you go to the LBC website, check out the advent calendar, a very early Steve Allen advert for the Cadbury Strollathon with a little kid. And uh, it was quite charming to hear it again. So uh, give that a whirl and check out everything else. Nick and the team with you very shortly. First of all, business update, Sam Pittis.